This week on episode 15 of the Dying Alive podcast, Christmas is canceled because we're celebrating Brian Rust, who is now the hottest player in the National Hockey League. We look to see if we can find the pat on the shelf and where in the house it's located this week and goaltending. Actually good. As we said, it's episode 15 of the Dying Alive podcast. Uh, Jesse Marshall here of theathletic.com, uh, joined by Pat Damp, back on first billing from the Pens blog. Say hello, Pat. Hey, guys. Man, this is just... I'm getting comfy in here. I like this first billing thing. It's pretty nice. The first class of the podcast. And uh, <laughs> also on the show... We should mention now at uh, second billing, Mike Darnay of Pennsburg. How's it feel to be back in uh, back in economy class, Michael? I'm gonna see if I can work my way back up. You got a rum and coke tonight. I do. You're off to a good start. Thank you. Um, the Penguins are playing right now against the Minnesota Wild. There's approximately uh, one minute and twelve seconds left in this game, all of which will be on the power play uh, unless uh, the Wild were to convert. Um, so we'll get some smatterings of that. Uh, gentlemen, uh, since we've had our last show, and I believe on the last show, uh, we posed the question, would Brian Rust uh, getting a couple goals open the floodgates? I think it's safe to say that the uh, answer to that question is yes. Yeah, that's a pretty emphatic yes if the uh, last five games are any indication. What is it? Eight goals in his last five? Yes, I believe so. So this begs the old uh, fashioned question here. Uh, is this a case live of, uh, you know, not choking up on the stick and settling in and playing the game? Or is this just luck, Lady Luck, making her reappearance and uh, coming back like a uh, emboldened ex? I think it might be a little bit of both. I was going to say I'm going to go with an off-the-board option that we kind of talked about prior to hit and record tonight. And sorry to say, Pierre Maguire, I know you're a huge fan of this show, but it also might be a little bit of analytics. Pierre Maguire calls Pat Patrick. Absolutely. He does. And he puts an unnecessary inflection on it. He's like, oh, and here's Patrick Damp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, go ahead. I interrupted you. No, that was just kind of that was just kind of (laughs) that was just kind of my whole point was like he is one of those guys that it was just a matter of waiting for the dam to break. All the numbers were there. The chances were there and they just weren't going in. And now that they're going in, they're coming in droves. And and tonight, Mike, if you look at at, the goals he scored, he really didn't have to do anything except get within like 10 feet of the net. But there's something to be said for that. You can't score those goals if you're not in that spot. Yeah, yeah. Having the wherewithal to put himself in good scoring position and then not gripping the stick too tight. And it's just a difference. They went in and they didn't hit the post. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, if he had hit the the post on the first one, uh, I would have I would have asked him to retire. (laughs) No, at the same time, though, at the same time. If he had hit the post, would we be surprised? No, no. Given the way, I mean, I, I'm I would have been surprised given the fact that he scored so many goals. But let's say he never got off the Schneid. I wouldn't be surprised if he hit yeah. the post or just sailed it, and it went like at some 
bizarre angle directly up over the netting <laughs> and into the stands. You know, like he just skied one. Yeah, that was a, what I was going to say, too, was that if we were talking prior to the Chicago game, if he hit the post, no, would not have been surprised in the least. But <laughs> now that uh, that dam has broken, I would have been very surprised. It also, would have, would have been, I, well, I was going to say, it would have been like one of those shots if they were playing at Mellon Arena would land in the F balcony. Yeah. <laughs> also, I, did you ever? Did, did you guys ever sit in the F balcony? That was that was my favorite place to sit. Oh yeah, I sat there game one, the 2009 Cup run against Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, I I've sat up there with uh, X of the Pens blog Stush. Um, wow. He, well, he used to be up F two was like his spot, and they, I think he had season tickets in F two. Also, yeah. also friend of the pod, good listener. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And anyway, I sat up there with him the one time, and that's the only. Maybe one of two times that I ever sat in F. But it's, it was terrifying, right? I mean, like, you were looking yeah. down on and the game. During big games, it would shake a little bit. Oh, yeah, yep. it would rattle, absolutely, in the playoffs, for sure. My, um, I want to say it was my junior year of high school. I student-rushed a game right before the 2008 Winter Classic, and we literally got the highest point in Mellon Arena seats. So I literally could reach up behind my seat and touch the ceiling. And you know it's close if you could reach it. Yeah. That's wow. the whole point of my Absolutely story. Is that if I, all I had to do was reach back and I touched the ceiling. So that's how you know that arena was wild. Uh, for those of you that may be listening for the first time, expect a lot of short pat jokes. Um, by the way, let's call this game in Minnesota. It's official. Like I said, that was like an election. Like, we're going to call Minnesota. <laughs> Dying alive. Can report and project. <laughs> that, yeah. that Brian Rust has won the state of Minnesota. Um, so so with, that, with that, the Penguins have now won four of their last five games. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, right? I mean, there was a homestand. But let's go back and hearken back to the last episode of this show. We all said they'd get three. We all said they'd get three out of four. Uh, on the uh, all right, a possible six on the home stand, um, which obviously, you know, they got four out of six. Yeah, plus plus this win, um, that's a nice little turnabout. Yeah, and plus the the gutsy win in Washington last night. Yeah, which was uh, let's let's get right into that. Um, I'm going to say this first, and I know that that Sidney Crosby, uh, you know, saw it, you know, was lobbying at least, which is what a captain should be doing uh, for an instigator penalty. Um, let's not act and, and people in Washington, by the way, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's stop. Let's stop. I want to take a quick break because I want to, uh, something that really grinds my gears. Can I get this out? Please, by all means. It's, it's about Brian it. Rust. It's about Brian Rust. And I know that the both of you are, are on board with this. So um, I want to take this opportunity to soapbox. How about the floor, that? The floor is all yours. Are you going to, I'm yield, I'm having time yielded to me here. I'm more of an Apple box kind of guy, but go. <laughs> How much smaller is a soapbox or than an? Uh, what's the oh, difference? You had it, but you lost the thread. You had it, but you lost the. Even, thread. even with the poor delivery, it was still good. Go on. Well, what's the difference though? I'm saying is what? Can you give me a, a, a size difference? So I know what I'm dealing with here. I've never seen an Apple box. It's like two, three inches, but like for you guys, that's not a big deal. For me, that's the that you know that's the day. Apple box is bigger. Yes. Also, Jesse, before you take the floor, <laughs> the show shout, is shout out to Colby Armstrong's suit on AT&T Sportsnet right now. Unbelievable. Ten bell suit. Um, all right. So whenever a player isn't scoring, 
right? The first thing I think you should always do is check and see if they're registering shots and scoring chances, right? And if the answer to that question is no, then you've cause to be concerned because not only are they not scoring, they're really not in a position to do so, right? Now, any NHL player, Sidney Crosby included, he'll always say in a slump, I know I'm getting the chances. It's a matter of time before they go in. Now, people that like to go out of their way to poo-poo on any use of analytics in hockey, these are inpatient people, right? And if you're not scoring, there's got to be a reason why. Pressure, uh, rift in the locker room, uh, intangible this, intangible that. And I counter with, well, it's only a matter of time before this changes because they're generating scoring chances they're generating shot opportunities of a very high expected goals uh and then the response is generally well not doing them a whole lot of good is it well no it is because you can't score goddamn goals if you don't have shots and you don't have scoring chances so when a good player like brian rust breaks out of a slump like the one he was just in uh and, and it's done nothing differently I just want to point it out because it's so annoying. I want to just excuse. Um, uh, um, I want to excuse uh, the behavior of these people because it's out of line. Um, and Brian Ross right now is as hot as the Dickens, as hot as the Dickens, uh, and is not doing a damn thing differently. I think from an on ice perspective, uh, it's all the same. It's just that. Variance and regression exist. We can prove it mathematically. Um, anybody want to talk about the Tom Wilson fight? <laughs> um, my my comment on it has not so much to do with the fight. I think it was foolish for Jim Rutherford to have said what he said. I, I, I'll counter you, and I, I'll also um, – I will – reach back to what I said on Twitter today in regard in reply to uh, one of your sort of co-workers Jesse Sarah Sivian of the Athletic Carolina it wasn't a bad fight it was just the fact that Alexiak was on the wrong receiving end of a good punch and I will also say that while I don't disagree with what you said Mike that it was a stupid fight. It happened so fast that Alexiak didn't really have the time to <clears throat> process like, yeah, maybe I should just ignore this. And along with Rutherford's quotes, that was from last postseason. So I don't, I, I'm I, maybe Alexiak has an elephant's memory. Maybe not, but it, I, I didn't have any problem with that. The thing that I took more of an issue with was that last night I saw a ton of people suddenly twisting those Rutherford quotes into him blaming Alexiak that he didn't fight, which was not the case at all. No, no, that, I, I don't agree with that whatsoever. I agree. On, yeah, no, that that's nonsense. Um, I guess in a way, though, you know, one of the appeals of Jim Rutherford is his candor. Yeah. And the sense that he's going to say, like, look, when he tells you he's going to do something. He's more than likely going to do that exact thing. Uh, and he's a very, very colorful, funny guy, uh, just like a joy to be around. So I think that in that sense, you kind of you, you take what you, you take that, you know, and I really don't think that Tom Wilson was thinking about that at all yesterday. No, I know. I, no, I, I think he was ready for revenge. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. And and it was it was his first game back against the Penguins because he was suspended for the last two, and he it was almost like and I don't I'm not saying this to give Wilson credit. It was just. He knew he was eventually going to have to answer to something, whether it was a big hit, a scrum, a fight, whatever. So even though it ended poorly for Alexiak, it was done within the first minute, and we barely heard from him again. And I and I truly do believe that the genesis of that was Alexiak's physicality out of the gate. Yeah, and I, I and I don't think that that was Alexiak looking for trouble. No, it's just, uh, no, that's, it's just that's the how way he, he plays. plays. Yeah. yeah, no. And then I think Tom Wilson, in anticipation of a problem just sought it out and was like, let's get this, let's get this thing over with. Can, and if you remember Malkin and Blake Wheeler did that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not last year. So I, I, you know, it's kind of the same situation. Can I play devil's advocate for a second? Of course. Can, okay. So let's pick you. You saw how quickly Wilson's gloves came off and how quickly he was ready to go. Imagine how victimized he would be if the role had been different. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He, no he question about it. That, that's what he. That, that's what he does. That's his mo. He's the tough guy in an instigator way. Like I know there was the debate about there should have been an instigator penalty on him, which there should have. But you know, if we're asking consistency from NHL officiating, we're asking the world. But that's just what he does. He he seeks it out, and when it gets when it comes to him, he backs down. So you know, I don't know. I, 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 I don't want to get too deep into it because it is what it is. It happened. It's over with. And, you know, I hope Alexiak's okay. I hope he recovers quickly from the concussion. But for all intents and purposes, the damage was minimal. Yeah. Um, also, last night, Christopher Letang. Oh, my I, God. I, you I, know what's crazy to me? And I because I, I, we talked about this on the show uh, either last week or the week before that. My cat is just I don't takes. know if I've got a pol- I don't know if I have a poltergeist situation. Is he, is he OK? Yeah. I mean, he's just he just wants everyone to know that Chris Letang is absolutely elite. a Norris. Uh, candidate. <laughs> um, I think there's like a, a moth in the house or something. Anyway, um, <laughs> r- realistically, though. The amount of hate that the guy still gets. I mean, it's, it blows my mind that that and somebody who has the puck as much as he does, it's a wonder he doesn't turn it over more. Right. And if you which in that case, the argument, he turns the puck over too much. Yeah. And I don't I don't buy that. Um, and from a giveaway perspective, the data doesn't reflect that either. And giveaways are stupid stat because I was track- saying, giveaways yeah. are handed out like candy and they're tracked differently in every arena in the league. Yeah. So there's no consistency to it whatsoever. Um, that's why we count shot attempts, larger sample size. Um, anyway. Yeah. And, yeah. and the thing I was going to say there was there's and I don't mean this to come off as like an elitist hockey fan type thing, but there's such an oversimplification of the way. And I think I've said this on the show before of how people uh, grade defensemen. And a lot of people were like, well, if he doesn't throw big hits and he doesn't light up the score sheet, which Letang does, but not in the Paul Coffey sense, people just don't see the value in a defenseman the way they should. And because Letang's not a huge hitter and he doesn't score a goal every game, people just seem to find every and any excuse to 
tear apart what he does. Well, I think Pat too, with when it comes to perceived value, which is really what we're talking about here. Um, I, I think perceived value is even drastically more different when you consider how we should be judging players in the modern 2019 version of the NHL. I mean, you know, if you can't skate in this league, you don't have a place in it. Um, and, and if you can skate and you're elite in that regard, um, you know, you could kind of take the league by the horns. That's what Chris Letang does. And 30, I just 32 minutes of ice time last night. And I don't, I don't see how you can look at his results and the fact that he's, you know, nobody on this team, Crosby, Malkin, you name it, um, is on the ice for as many scoring chances as Chris Letang is. Um, he limits shot and scoring chances is just about as well as anybody going against the other team's top players for 25 minutes a night. So, you know, to come away with the results that he has, you don't do that by accident. And, and people remember the glaring mistakes that are often made off of daring, you know, pinches that would often generate goals. Um, you know, they remember those tiny mistakes and forget the other 59, you know, minutes or, you know, however many minutes of the game, 30 some minutes of the game that um, he played that was flawless. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the restaurant theory. It's that if you go to a place one time and have a bad experience, but go to another place ten times and it's an average to good experience, you're more likely to remember the bad experience than you are the average to good experiences. Yeah, and when you're watching a game live, you often uh, have a tendency to see the things that you're looking for and ignore the things that you're not looking for. So confirmation bias. Yeah, exactly. Um, looking. If we look back even further uh, past that uh, Washington game, um, really the only black eye on the Penguins' um, you know recent homestand that they'd had uh, was that three-two loss to Anaheim, uh, and the blown lead strikes again. Uh, and, and it was typical of what we've talked about on this show before. It wasn't that they played necessarily poorly. It was that they played poorly for a single period. They fell asleep in the second period. And also, John Gibson was listening to uh, us uh, thrashing his performances <clears throat> against the Penguins because White, he Whitehall's he John Gibson. Yeah, right. Um, but I mean, you know, Boston uh, was a you know a wild game. The Kings game, you know, they had to do they had to take it to overtime. But um, otherwise, I think that things have kind of come together for them. Uh, there was that home that home cooking was exactly what the doctor ordered, and we just have to talk about goaltending for a minute. Um, the fact the fact that they're actually getting some right, and and I saw a lot of people to go back to that Washington game. I saw a lot of people say that Matt Murray looked uncomfortable in that game, but wow. I didn't. I, yeah, I don't agree with that. I, well, I, didn't, I, I don't feel I, that way. I think part of that is because the wonderful rights holder that the NHL has multiple times continued to say, oh, that save just happened to hit Matt Murray in the shoulder. Right. I mean, you got to be in position for pucks to hit you. Yeah, I mean, that that's the, the argument that I have is yeah. if it hit him in the shoulder, he was in good position. And Casey yeah. Smith uh, tonight follows up that performance. Go ahead, Pat. I cut you off. Drink. <laughs> Drink. And um, what okay. I was going to – yeah, okay, I was well. Anyway, but what I was saying there was the, the one of the things that got pointed out from the Capitals game was the Pedersen play where he swept the puck away from the goal line that snuck through Murray. 
But what nobody is bringing up about that play is who shot the puck. It was Evgeny Kuznetsov who has one of the sneakiest shots in the National Hockey League. The guy will drift in and make you think he's shooting one way and somehow shoot it the other, and Murray managed to get a piece of it, but it snuck through and Pedersen made a heroic play. Now, if that was like Boyd or somebody on the Caps, yes, you have an argument there that he should be able to stop that, but... Regardless of how you feel as a Pens fan, you have to admit Kuznetsov has an elite shot, and that got through. So that's going to happen. Yeah, and um, and you know, for thinking about all the scoring chances that he faced, if that that leaky one that was saved by Pedersen was the only one that got through, okay, I'll take that at ten times out of ten. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. fine by me. Um, hey, shout out Marcus Pedersen, by the way. You know, I, I, you're going to have a hard time, regardless of what Daniel Sprong does in Anaheim, you're going to have a hard time convincing me. Okay, let me take that back. If Daniel Sprong turns into a 50-goal scorer, the Anaheim obviously won that trade. But right now, even with the goals that Sprong has scored, I still feel good about what the Penguins got. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where it's it's funny. You You see more focus on the guy who doesn't play for the Penguins anymore than the guy who does. Yeah. Well, and it, it's people – wanting to instantly analyze a trade and declare a winner and a loser when there is absolutely a time where both parties involved can be mutually benefited by it. By the way, time out, time out, time out. Fuck Randy Carlisle for his little shots at the Penguins. Of all guys to take a shot at a coach or management for misusing a player. Yeah. But the, the, the point I was making there was there are times when a trade is mutually beneficial to both sides and Anaheim needed to get some offense and get a little bit younger and the Penguins needed defense. So that trade made sense. The Penguins needed to solidify their blue line and Anaheim needed a younger guy who could score and Sprong was not going to get that opportunity here. And I know a ton of people hear that and they're like, yeah, well, you know, you guys are buying into the bullshit that they got to that they never gave Sprong a chance. He wasn't. He, there was nobody for him to eclipse, so it made the most sense. And Pedersen was a better fit here than Sprong was. Right, and and another thing I'll mention too is that I think you would initially say, uh, and, my, and let me get to my point first. I don't want to bury the lead here. Time is also required to evaluate a trade, right? And, Agreed. And, oh, I thought we had to decide right now. No, and, and and you would have initially said that that the Anaheim Ducks won the Simone Dupre for Ben Lovejoy trade. It would have been a no-brainer. <clears throat> and, he's with, and he's with who now, Laval? Right, right. And is just now getting back into North American hockey. The Penguins, you know, got a good usage out of Ben Lovejoy, and you know, he did he did a job for them. So and that was the that was the initial trade I was going to bring up too was that at the time it looked horrible and it was because it put them in that salary cap bind where they had to play with five D but in the larger picture it helped out yeah absolutely um, but I mean so far so good for Pedersen and, and it's getting to the point where you got to start asking yourself you know is he earning himself a, a little bit of a bump in ice time um, you know is it time to you know get him over that. We're at that you know fifteen minute mark. He finished tonight at twelve fifty four at even strength. wasn't his um, wasn't as pretty. Actually, let me take that back because that is an outdated number. 
Um, so his total, and again, even strength TOI tonight was actually at 15.5. So they did get him over 15 minutes tonight. Um, and I think you'll see a lot of that going, form- going forward. It wasn't a pretty performance tonight as far as the puck possession goes. And uh, Casey DeSmith, 40 saves on 41 shots. Uh, you know, I, I, it, Sam, I, I kept saying, I kept, you know, I guess my question to you guys is at what point is this no longer a hot hand situation? It's not. It, I think unless one of these two steps up and is like, it's not actually I take that back it's a matter if one of these two falters and if you have well let me clarify my question Pat I, I, I think I've led you in the wrong direction I mean I meant with Casey DeSmith specifically is this maybe not a situation where he's like quote unquote hot as much as maybe he's just good I can't disagree I mean I will I mean, you would know better than anybody from the looks that you got at him specifically yeah I was gonna say what I was about to say there was Full disclosure, I do know the guy. Like, I have a pretty okay relationship with him, and I watched him come up when I was working for the Nailers. But the guy, and (laughs) I know we hate but always bring up intangibles, (laughs) the guy is a damn battler. Like, he went from being Wheeling's third goaltender to their starter. Like, he he eclipsed a guy that was – fully entrenched as Wheeling starter because he played that well. And then he did the same thing in Wilkes-Barre. And it's not always pretty, but the guy gets the job done. And and I also subscribe to the theory that Matt Murray is at his best when there is somebody behind him that plausibly could take his job. I don't believe that, Pat, but I also can't disprove it. Well, because the point point I'm making, you look at like Murray's body of work so far when he had flurry behind him, he was at his best. And now that DeSmith has kind of risen up and shown he can be either a fringe starter or a low uh, lower level starter. Hopefully the trend continues after the Washington game and the L.A. game that Murray's back to form. It just brings out the best in him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't have anything to give you that I, I could disagree with. But I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't disagree that I think, and it's funny if you look through the, you know, the Twitter analysis of the guy and like, oh, he does this wrong, he does that wrong. It's like, well, he keeps winning and he's top ten in save percentage in the NHL, and it's. Yeah, and, and over 20 starts. The other kicker with that is I'm a big fan of, um, you know, looking at goals saved above average and, and saying, like, what would a league average goalie um, have allowed or prevented, you know, above or below what this goaltender has. And Casey DeSmith is creeping up into double digits, Pat. I mean, I, I, and after tonight, the, the result, you know, the data is not updated yet. But after tonight, he may hit 10. Um, and if you think about it, Eric Tolsky – um, used to say that two or three goals was good enough for a point in the National Hockey League. So you could conceivably then say that Casey DeSmith has stolen three points for the Penguins. 
it's a lot of points. What especially, is what are the especially standings? yeah, I was going to say, especially given where they're at in the standings. Exactly. Where do they? What do the things look like if the Penguins don't have those three points? Yeah, in in past years, three points isn't doesn't move the needle much for them, but in this situation, it certainly does. Yeah, that's how that's the nature of the the, the division right now, just a testament to how competitive it is. Um, yeah. Anyway, what was once the team's most glaring weakness? I think we can say at least now the arrow is to quote Mike Tomlin pointing up. And I've said it a million times. If there's one position you need to be good at and you want to be good at, it's goaltending. Yeah. You can be as deep as you want it forward in defense, but if you have a steady presence in the net, I will take that team's chances. Look at Anaheim. Yeah. And we've got a little bit of a break, obviously, here, um, you know, for the holidays coming up. But I am really excited for this Saturday night game against the Hurricanes. Saturday night, the best night for hockey. Uh, the Hurricanes are, are a fun team to watch. Um, and this and is the, our first matchup against them, correct? Exactly. The first time yes. the Penguins have seen them all year long. Um, so I think you're in for a show. And I think it's a good thing that the Penguins have started to get this goaltending when they've gotten <laughs> it. I think the question is, who do you start in goal Saturday night against the Hurricanes? I think you go Murray. I just think that's the best way to um, keep the rotation going because you had the start against L.A., which that's a good game to get him back into after a few weeks away via injury. Not one of the better teams in the NHL. He's not going to face as much, but he still did face quite a bit. Then Washington, so you're throwing him right into the deep end against a rival and one of the really good teams in the NHL. So now you kind of even that back out with a middle of the road team in Carolina and really see where he's at. Yeah, I agree. And then, but that gives Casey DeSmith a whole seven days off, though. That that doesn't sit well with me all that much. Uh, but I'm also not okay with Matt Murray having nine days off. So it's at this point, it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. How about we play both of them? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> four skaters, two goalies. Give me the old uh, no, Rich just, Miller. Uh, just Miller the, just do the line change on the fly. Tony Amante. Turcotte out with him. Amante trying to center, couldn't do it. He was checked. Shell Samuelson moved the puck ahead, and here's Joe Mullen leading a three on two Penguin rush. Splits to the fence, heads for the goal, passes it off for Stevens, and he couldn't get a shot away. Back comes Messier. The goaltenders have just changed on the fly. Wendell Young is in the net. Centering pass, and he stopped it. That's unbelievable. I knew he'd try to do it sooner or later. Okay, before we hit the music for Mike's segment. Uh, and, and get to your correspondences, of which there were many, and we thank you very much. Um, we have we're, we're putting out a, a um, what's it called a PBA APB APB. <laughs> we're putting out an APB. There, someone has been listening to this show, which God bless you. That's difficult enough to do in the first place. But somebody has been listening to this show from Peru. Repeatedly, repeatedly, every week we have a listener from Peru. Now, this could potentially be someone that just has like a VPN set up because they're into some dark net stuff and, and doing some illegals. That would ruin the story, though. Yeah, it would ruin the story. But I like to think this is just someone who's in Peru that really enjoys dying alive. So if, if you're if you're using a VPN in Peru, don't tell us. Just let us think there's somebody in Peru listening. Yeah, don't yes. ever respond. But if you are actually a live human in Peru listening to the show. Get a hold of us on Twitter. Get a hold of us. Message us in any fashion because we need to talk to you. We want you to be our first guest. I also want to add for context for the people that 
might hear that and think like, what, you guys found one stat on Peru? No, I was looking through our show's analytics on Spotify. Fancy stats. Our number one country is obviously the United States because this is where we live. America. Number two is Peru. Pick it up, Canada. Yeah, step it up, Canada. Where are you at? Where are you at? I think it's time to hit the music. What do you think, Jesse? Hit it. Take that drink up. Okay. Rustle those papers about. <laughs> I have I have two papers because we have a lot of questions this week. Ooh. Oh, uh, let's see. Where do we start? Um, I'm going to ask first question that we already have the answer to. It's from Danny asking, what is your favorite deli meat? I'm going to quote my good friend, Jesse Marshall. Pastrami is the finest of all cured meats. Amen to that. Can't hate it. Um, next question is from Chris Kraft. What is your go-to board game? I don't know if this counts as a board game, but it's definitely a dinner table game. My family loves playing Taboo. Oh, yeah. No, I was really into that back in the day. I'm big into uh, Clue. Mm. Clue is good. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Tim Bowers asks, what is the worst Christmas gift and why? Gift cards, because it's heartless. I agree. I um I don't like to buy gift cards for people. I like to find something personal. I think I can agree with those takes, but I was going to ask, is the context of this question the worst gift you've received, or is it just in general? Like, what's the worst Christmas gift you can give someone? Didn't specify. Yeah, I don't know that I have like a worse like I've never had one that's like stood out as bad. And I always just I always just feel like that's a uh girl in the Willy Wonka movie that's like overly spoiled if I was like, This was the worst gift I ever got. Yeah. Uh let's see. Uh Nick Case. Um he asks he he, he mentions that I have met him and I've also met Pat and he wants to know who needs a phone book more. And I'm sorry, Pat, you're on the losing end of this one. You know, (laughs) I'm just going to dig my hole even further here. The first time I read that, because he sent that one to all three of us, I was like, the fuck, man? It's 2018. Like, I have an iPhone. (laughs) I have everybody's number I need, and Google exists. And then I read it a second time and went, oh, Oh. god damn it. Yep. Uh, Let's see. Frank Gliz asks, what are Jim Rutherford's best and worst trades? And I guess we'll narrow it down to one each, best and worst. Well, best is the Phil Kessel trade. Agreed. Yeah, it's Phil Kessel without a doubt. Actually, no, no, no. I take that back. His best trade wasn't Phil Kessel. His best trade was Scuderi for Daly, one for one. Nah, Kessel's had a bigger impact. He has, but... How was he able to move Scuderi for daily with how is nothing? He, how was he able to get the Leafs to eat that much cap space? And, and Be- not give up Olimata or Brian Dumoulin? Because the Leafs were in the middle of tearing everything down to the bone. They just wanted to get Phil Kessel the hell out of there. Yeah, but how's that going to hurt him now when they're trying to re-sign Mitch Marner? I mean, it's definitely not going to help. But like, one, $1.2 million. 
I, I, I'm not disagreeing with any of that. The point I'm making is, like, how was he able to say, look, here's Rob Scuderi, the human equivalent of a boat anchor. Stan Can Bowman. Can you give us a, Yeah, I know. Stan Bowman kind of really sucks. All right. Uh, so you're outvoted on this one, Pat. Sorry. Um, I'm going to go first on the worst. I know Jesse just said Ryan Reeves. Um, and I guess this is a combination answer. Um, the cap dump of Connor Sherry and Matt Hunwick wasn't bad. What was bad was signing Jack, sign signing Jack, Jack Johnson yeah. for the term they did with the space that they opened up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I will say though, there is an asterisk to put on that trade. Is that like, I saw a bunch of people early in the season when like Sherry was putting up numbers, like, Oh yeah. Real good one there. It's like, he was awful last year. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Ian Altenbaugh. Nachos or soft pretzel nuggets? So this is in reference to the press box at PPG Paints Arena. There's both, right? You can get both. But I'm, I'm just going to tell you that the soft pretzel nuggets, when they're on point, they're just on another level. Just slathered in buttery goodness. Mm-hmm. So I'm going soft pretzel nuggets 10 times out of 10. I agree. A um, little bit of spicy brown mustard, a little bit of cheese sauce. Yeah. Yeah, I have been lucky enough to have those pretzel nuggets for two different development camps, and oh my god, are they good. Uh, let's see here. Morgan, <clears throat> friend of the pod, Morgan. Uh, belated happy birthday to Morgan, by the way. Happy That's birthday, right. Morgan. Uh, not a question, but just wanted to tell the three of you how much he has enjoyed this podcast and how much he has enjoyed taking part in some of the jokes. And also, Pat is short. Wish I could say the same, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that really that, that really uh, threw a wet blanket on what I was going to say. I just that. wanted to troll Morgan. That's all. He's he's had it coming for a while. What, what I was going to say real quick there um, to kind of also piggyback off the Peru thing that we brought up. We've only done 14 episodes and we're already over 12,000 listens, which is absolutely batshit crazy to me that a bunch of people are listening to this on a weekly basis. So thank you guys yeah. so, so much. Yeah, we're going to keep doing it. <clears throat> uh, let's see. <clears throat> Darren asks, does Marcus Pedersen being tall enough to poke the puck away last night mean that the Penguins won the trade? <laughs> yes, we just covered that absolutely yes. unequivocally. Oh, yeah, it's a... It's a Flawless victory for you video game nerds out there. Uh, speaking of video games, Chad Tully asked, favorite PlayStation game or series? Never in my life have I owned a PlayStation. My favorite PlayStation game, it was PlayStation 2, was Max Payne. I'm going to go with the Grand Theft Auto series. Update on Smash Bros. Ultimate, I am standing Young Link. Is that your rapper name also? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. his ra- his rapper name is Jesse One Take. We went over that last week. <laughs> oh, that's right. Jesse One Take. Hammer asks, and shockingly enough, Hammer did not ask the worst question of the week. Uh, will Sid, Gino, or both retire as Penguins? And if so, when? I am going to forego answering this question to give a shout out to Hammer, who is also a West Ham United fan, uh, and remind uh, you all that they have now won four matches in a row. And Jose Mourinho was fired. Yes. Uh, Devin asks, retire Yes, I agree. Yeah. 
Uh, Devin asked favorite Christmas movies. Home Alone. I agree. And shout out to the Google ad. Yeah, it was really oh, good. Oh, that was awesome. <clears throat> it was very I really like that. For me, it's uh, the Santa Claus. I love the Santa Claus. I'm indifferent on the Santa Claus. It's not even in my top three. I'm indifferent on a lot of things. Nothing is ever a big deal to you. That's, nope. that's, that's your brand. Okay, so uh, here's a good question. Brian Cardillo mentions the hype around the Penguins back-to-back cups was four lines that could skate. Two years later, they seem to have gotten slower, he imagines. The question is, does Mike Sullivan need to reimagine his system, or does he lack the personnel to execute the same way that they did then? Huh. Um, no, I don't think that the that their speed has changed at all. I think that, the, that when you turn the puck over, you have a tendency to look slow. And if they could stop doing that, they'll be fine. Yeah. I was yeah. also going to say, I think we all know it's a copycat league, and that's the way the league is going now. They were just about a year and a half ahead of it. Yeah, I mean, you look after they won in 2017, or after they won in 2016, I'm not sure which, there was an arms race for center depth. Center depth and just guys that had speed. I mean, especially because I think more so than the 2016 Stanley Cup final, the 2016 Eastern Conference final was more indicative of where the league was going because you had Tampa and Pittsburgh who just skated around one another for 60 minutes or more a night. Uh, Rachel asks, who reaches the highest levels of fan obnoxiousness or unbearableness? Capitals fans now that they won a cup or Liverpool fans if they finally win the league. And she apologizes to her father for the Liverpool shot. Um, I mean, the answer for me is always going to be Washington. Yeah, I agree. it's really Did, tight. It's a really tight race. Can, as someone that is not an EPL guy, can I ask a question on this to make sure, sure I have the right answer? Sure. Has Liverpool ever won the league? No. <clears throat> then I'm going to go with Caps fans because I was going to say the Caps thing was excusable because they had never won it. Now that I know Liverpool hasn't, I got to well, go. So let's clarify, though, here, Pat, because it, you have to understand that the Premier League only existed from 1992 to the present day. Okay. Right. So, like, before that, there were league titles and Liverpool won a lot of them. Um, 18 of them, if I'm not... Is that right, Mike? Did they win 18 league titles? I believe so. Uh, the good comparison here would be the Canadians' 26 Cups when there were yeah. eight, eight teams in the league. That, that's, have, I, have, have, I, have I spouted that hot take on this podcast before about original six Stanley Cups? I think so. About how they shouldn't count? Or at the very least have an asterisk? I think. but But yeah, to answer the question... Uh, since 92, they have not won. They have come close many times, but have not won. Um, they've been runner. They were runner up in 08, 09. And in. And 13, 14. 13, 14, yes. Yeah. Um, fun fact for you, Pat. Since 1992, there's only been six teams to win the Premier League. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how. I, I'm, not, I'm not poo-pooing it. It's just like I. I have I have tried my hardest to get into it, and it's not that I can't. It's just like 
Maybe I'm just a, like I have to have a rooting interest or something, but yeah. I enjoy I enjoy watching it. It's just like it's I, something you can't do casually. You have to just jump head first. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah, that nailed it. Yeah. OK, I got two more. Jeff Milano asks fantasy land question of the day in an effort to win the cup, which 90s to present former penguin not named Lemur Yager. Larry Murphy. Would you add to the current roster? No trade necessary. Just notes that you're getting them in their prime. Larry Murphy. Mike. I'm going to bring back Alf Samuelson to fight Tom Wilson. <laughs> I was going to say Kevin Stevens. That's they don't need Kevin Stevens, though. They need Larry Murphy. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine in his prime Larry Murphy and Chris? <laughs> oh, my God. I'd split them up. That's also just biased because Kevin Stevens was my first non-Lemieux player that I absolutely loved. Oh, yeah. Okay, last question. Um, we have a good good uh, correspondence submitter here who's back for the first time in a while. We got Chet back. Chet! <laughs> okay, so Chet says the most successful first pick and notes this is not first round, but first player selected by the Penguins. Since Jordan Stahl is either Bo Bennett or Simone Dupre. His question is Would an NHL team be better off trading their first round pick every year than selecting? No. Well, I guess it depends. If it's number 30, I guess, yeah. But if you're picking in the top five, I'd keep it. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's where my answer goes. In the case of the Penguins, who have been a team that's been picking mid to late 20s for the last several years they have done a better job trading their picks than selecting with their picks yeah we've Um, talked about it we've talked about it on the show like the cost of competing in a salary cap world is you have to eventually sell off the farm a little bit to win now so if you're picking and and it kind of it goes back to the question we had of what's the worst rutherford trade and Everybody, including Jesse, brought up the Reeves trade, like which was which was not great. But at the time, you traded what the thirty first pick for the fifty third. Like you weren't making much of a difference with that pick. Yeah. Um. Why don't we skip the plugs this week since it's Christmas? Um. One last call out. Don't forget if you're listening to the show from Peru, please reach out to us. We want to have you on as a guest. Um. <laughs> Uh, Please. Th- yes. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 15. Um, we'll be back next week uh, at some point, given the holiday. Um, and we are going to leave you with a vine of the week. You better watch out. You better watch out. You better watch out. You better watch out. You better watch.